I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Dana Dorfman, Ph.D., author of When Worry Works, How to Harness Your Parenting Stress and Guide Your Teen to Success. Burdened by the mounting pressure on today's youth, parents seek ways to strike the balance between supporting their teen's current well-being while also setting them up for future success. Based on 30 years of clinical practice and her experience raising her own teenagers in New York City, Dana Dorfman demonstrates that when parents become aware of their individual anxieties and learn to effectively manage them, they are empowered to make values aligned rather than worry-driven parenting decisions. She provides practical evidence-based parenting strategies, exercises, and reflective prompts to guide parents through a process to constructive constructively apply to their day-to-day parenting decision. She's a New York City-based psychotherapist and was the co-host of a parenting podcast, Two Moms on the Couch. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Dana. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I think the key sentence in this introduction was that parents have to be in touch with their own anxieties if they're going to be able to help their children become less anxious or not become anxious at all, if that's a possibility. Uh, so <laughs> uh, let's start with that. We, As parents, we have to start with ourselves. If we're anxious about, and I guess the, in here in the United States, we're concerned with success and getting ahead, and that gets in the way of our own parenting and helping our children to be relaxed and, and calm. Yes, it it absolutely is, and um, I'm always conscious, though, of uh, parents not hearing this as parent blaming or um, kind of judging parents for their behaviors. A lot of times I hear from parents, well, of course, yet again, everything is my fault, and um, that is not the the purpose of this book. It's actually to encourage parents to take some time to reflect a little bit and understand their own inner lives a little bit more so that they are better equipped to help their teens understand their inner lives a little bit more. So how does and your book, so I'm going to stop you because how does your book do that? How, how are we, if we read your book, and we are going to, and we want everyone to read it, what, so what are they going to learn from it? How are they going to be able to do it? Is it? Do you take us step by step? I mentioned exercises, one-way strategies. What are some of those strategies? So there are, the book, the book has a series of strategies, but one of the things um, that it does is that I offer um, eight different archetypes, which I've called the parent anxiety reaction types, and the acronym is PARTS. And um, each of these parts are um, kind of pattern behaviors of the way that parents' anxieties can manifest themselves. And so in the, the case examples that I offer, I am hopeful that parents will identify with some of the um, the patients that I've profiled and kind of see themselves a little bit in that and recognize, uh, which I I they repeatedly that their intentions are good. This is nothing that is deliberate or uh, none of us want to deliberately screw our kids up. But um, but it is a way for parents to be able to identify a little bit more with 
um, with the way that their anxiety manifests. So that is one of the ways. The other... Um, well, let's stop with that one because you mentioned that you're, and, and this is one of the ways of doing that and that you have individual examples or individual case histories. Let's just give an example of one of those, how it works. Sure. So um, I, I named each of them, uh, hopefully somewhat playful, um, different titles. There are clairvoyants and shepherds, replicators, avoidance, avoiders, cloud crowd pleasers, sculptors, <laughs> game show contestants, correctors. I think that that must be all eight. And so, uh, for example, one of the cases that I offer is, um, for example, a clairvoyant. And in that particular case example, the teen had been um, a, a, a thriving ballet star and had been um, very diligent about her her practice throughout, you know, the previous decade and around the time of the, um, of the COVID epidemic and during quarantine, she decided that she no longer wanted to pursue ballet. And she really showed such extraordinary promise. And her parents, uh, in this particular case that I'm, that I profile, uh, which is actually a compilation of several cases. It's not, you know, revealing anybody's, um, you know, uh, yeah, it's not one individual. It's a, yeah. Okay. It's a- <laughs> so, um, but in this particular case that I'm offering, and I see this in many different iterations is, um, the father had invested a lot of time and money and, and ego into his daughter's a flourishing dance career, and she had shown such promise and such skill and such ability. And so it was also extraordinarily disappointing to him and um, disturbing to him and concerning to him, understandably, that suddenly and somewhat abruptly she wanted to stop this activity that she had been so um, skilled in. And he thought that she was kind of squandering something, a gift that she had. And so that created um, a very intense parent-child, parent-teen conflict and um, ended up kind of creating a much, a much more unfortunate, um, you know, mental health issue as a result. So um, that's one Well, I want to stick with that one for now because I I think that's a really common one. And perhaps, uh, you know, I had uh, have three three sons, three grandsons. And I think that issue comes up a lot, even if you're not in the process of your kid's going to be a potentially a prima ballerina, but that Mm -hmm. they're really good at something and and the time and the money invested and parents spend a lot of time doing that. And then all of a sudden they don't want to do it anymore. I, I think that's a, I, I'm glad you gave that as an example. Uh, Cause I think that's a difficult one for parents. And as I, as I said, in like in the beginning, in the intro, it's, we live in that kind of a culture, you know, you're priming your kid to do well in you know, some activity and they're going to get into a good school or a good graduate school mm-hmm. or get a PhD in, psychology. Um, so what happened in that case? What, I mean, mental health issues. Yes, it wasn't a good thing, but can we, do we know the outcome? 
Well, we do know the outcome because unfortunately, um, and uh, this, this, um, it became such a source of conflict that, um, and the daughter felt so um, kind of cornered by the father who was really persistent in his um, pursuits of her and trying to get her to reconsider that, um, and I'm certainly simplifying the the situation, but she ended up threatening um, to take her own life because she felt like he was making it so intolerable for her. And so it was at that point that she began uh, therapy. And what we, through some examination, both working with her and working very intensely with the father, um, we came to disentangle kind of his own history with achievement, his own experiences with in his childhood, his family situation, and why this had such utmost importance to him and what he was trying to accomplish, which was, um, you know, his having witnessed foregone opportunities by several people in his own life. And so understandably, he was determined with his own daughter not to replicate this situation. And I think that I do hear this quitting situation and quitting dilemma so often with parents. And I think that parents can very uh, understandably justify the situation by saying, I don't want to raise a quitter, or it's very important to me that some, that my child is committed to something and really perseveres and shows some um, dedication to something and even has a passion and so um, you can see how those kinds of beliefs also, which are, are important, you know, values to have, then fuel their behaviors. The unfortunate part was that he was so anxious and so unaware of his anxiety, in addition to his frustration and disappointment and, um, you know, many other feelings that he was having. But once we disentangled his anxiety and his history with his own anxiety, his own achievement anxieties, we were able to separate out who he was living with and what his daughter's current situation was and what he was reacting to from his own history. When you describe him in terms um, of his history, he was, uh, he, his anxieties related to his own, uh, I'm going to use the word failures or, uh, and didn't want that to, same thing happened to his daughter. And then sometimes don't you get the, I mean, the parent who is so successful, maybe the other end of the spectrum, and they want to make sure that their kids have the same opportunities and become as successful as they are or what they determine is success, which was... Absolutely. And that is also a real theme in this book is that this generation of parents is the most educated of any previous generation of parents. And so understandably, not only do we want our kids to be as successful, if um, from, a, from a social mobility standpoint, we want the next generation to even surpass us or to improve upon us. So even when I think about, you know, I have a PhD and a master's degree and my husband has a law degree. So my children have if they're going to surpass that degree of education, not that that's the greatest, you know, latest and greatest, but um, that's a that's a pretty high bar to surpass. 
Um, and so, um, yes, so I think that that is also sort of a real propeller. The unfortunate thing is that we have become so um, myopic in our achievement pursuits, and our culture is so myopic in our achievement pursuits, that some of the time anxiety becomes channeled into achievement. It says if this is going to be what prepares our kids for the future, or that their their future success is hinged on these um, achievements that are happening right now, and what gets lost, not that it's this binary, but what gets lost in that is the child's development, kind of where they are developmentally, what is developmentally appropriate for them, what the parents' true values are, not what they think that they should be doing, but what it is that they really want for their kids, and also the kids' emotional lives. And so some of the time, achievement becomes so much in the driver's seat that we lose track of all of these other very important components, and they all get channeled into achievement, achievement, achievement. And Dana, given that achievement, 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 I'm thinking about raising my own kids and there was always the competition among mothers or fathers, in my case, Mm -hmm. mothers, uh, you know, when did your kid from the beginning, my kid started reading at three and my, you know, kid read at two and, you know, and on, and there was always that comp, there was at least in my group of friends, that kind of competition. But now, and I want you to address this because not only do you have that kind of competition, but you're on the net looking, well, this kid is like, you know, conducting music at, in on Broadway and, or do it. And you, it's all you're on Facebook or any of the social media platforms. And then what do you do? Because you also have that pressure as a parent, maybe as a kid also, but it seems to me that that would create even more anxiety. Yes, it absolutely does. And we know how contagious anxiety is. If you ever sit in the room, I had just attended a, um, a meeting, a college meeting at my son's school. Um, and the tension in the room and the anxiety in the room was so palpable that I almost wanted to run out of there because <laughs> I felt like I was going to my own head was going to blow up. And so, um, so there's nothing like um, you know, being around other anxious parents to make us anxious as parents. And I think you're right. It happens as early as, you know, even who's rolling over first or who can sleep through the night first, you know, and not that we are (laughs) positioning it as a competition, but one does feel like, am I failing as a parent or am I not doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Because, um, because that's what other people are doing. And will my, am I putting my kid at a disadvantage because I'm not playing the same game or I'm not engaging in the same um, kind of high-stakes pressure game? So Isn't I it think hard to step at, out of that ball game and step out of the park? You're really, it, I mean, very difficult now as, you, as I'm listening to you and you're describing it. Absolutely. I mean, that is, uh, I mean, everyone needs to, uh, maybe most parents do need to be in therapy before a crisis occurs. Uh, you know, as a therapist, people sometimes, uh, many times, um, come, uh, you know, after this major crisis, but we sort of need some pre, I don't know what you would call it, but uh, something that would 
help us. Well, maybe your book will help us to do that. So maybe you've, you've oh, already done yeah. this. Yes. Uh, yeah, almost like pre-marital counseling. Like pre-marital, right. Pre- exactly. Yeah. I think that the more, once again, and there's nothing like the, being a parent that sort of forces us to face many issues that we didn't even realize were going on for us or for new issues or new conflicts or new emotions to emerge. You know, we're all can recall having been adolescents. So living up close and personal with an adolescent, invariably, we're going to be thinking about our own past and we are going to want to improve upon, you know, what we liked, what we didn't like. And, um, and so I think that, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I obviously, or I hope so, you know, a proponent of continued self-reflection and also the idea that as adults, we're still growing and learning. Our brains are still developing. We still can um, change and shift and modify. So even if there are certain beliefs that we have held near and dear to our hearts throughout our lives or certain strategies that we've used to manage our own inner lives or anxieties that we can still modify them as we, as we get older. Like that's the beauty of having children oftentimes, whether we like it or not. Yeah, that's true. Kind of forced us to examine ourselves. What about your, you said, I I think it was your son, you were at a college uh, uh, meeting with other parents, your son who's in college. What would you say, your son would say about you because you've had a lot of experience. He's at least 18 years old, I'm assuming, or even older that he would say was your, that you were anxious about that is impeded his, uh, that caused him to become anxious or, you know, was difficult for him to handle in terms of your parenting. <laughs> I just so it's, it's, um, it's, it's funny that you ask. My son is actually, he is a junior in high school. So oh, we okay. were attending a meeting for college, but my daughter is actually graduating from college in a All right, couple of months. Let's use her as the example then. Okay. Okay. Well, she, and either one would gladly tell you what, what how they think. <laughs> well, what your I faults are? They not. would have no, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and it is a running joke in our family too. And certainly having written this book, oftentimes, um, you know, friends and parents will say to my kids like, oh, so your parents must not have dot, 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 or your mother must have known better not to dot, dot, dot. And um, I actually, as far as the archetypes are concerned, is I fall very much into the corrector category in that I grew up in a family that was extremely high achieving and it certainly came with the best of intentions, but it had a pretty complicated um, a, a impact on me in that as a high schooler, I had really underachieved as a result of the pressures that I was experiencing. In a way, it was sort of my uh, adolescent form of rebellion, which didn't serve me well for a very long time. And so I was determined not to... Uh, pressure my kids academically. I wanted certainly for them to achieve, and I certainly wanted for them to, um, you know, evolve to their best selves or, you know, reach their potential. But I did not want to emphasize grades and quantifiable metrics and, and 
scores because I thought that they were not emblematic of like sort of the, the holisticness of who my kids were. And so interestingly, my daughter had attended what they call a gifted and talented school in um, Manhattan. And, um, and she had been describing a whole bunch of uh, dilemmas that she was having around her grades and, um, and I must have been minimizing it at the time. She was probably in around eighth or ninth grade, and I rarely ever signed on to the school portal to find out what her grades were, sort of in protest of my own upbringing. And interestingly, she said, you know, she said, you don't care. She said, all you care about is if I'm a good person. And she said, all of my other friends, parents, you know, are, are on top of this. And so she said, and you, you don't care. So there I was trying to highlight like what it was that I actually cared about and I had overcorrected. So I think that, um, that was certainly an error, you know, that I made. And I think that also there are hypocrisies in, in my daily life. I was writing a book. I had a busy practice. I, I work a lot of hours. I was very devoted to my own achievement, despite my having silently or blatantly protested. And I would say to my kids, you know, what's most important to me is that you feel good about yourselves and that you are, um, you know, that you are aware of yourselves and things like that. In the meantime, I was in a self-aware way I could spending all of my hours working, so, you know, and trying to achieve. So yeah. I think that there are invariably kind of, uh, probably no one's going to want to buy the book now. No, now they're definitely want to buy the book because the books they don't want to buy is the, when the author is everything, I, you know, is perfect. And this is what you do and everything's going to turn out perfectly because that's not mm-hmm. who we are. We want to hear like the real story or the, you know, the, behind the, the the true story behind the book. Yes. So, yeah, I, I think it's, it's that what you said, overcorrectedness. That, yeah, that's key. I mean, I, I think I did that myself. I mean, I came from a similar kind of background as you did and similar issues. But uh, the book sounds great. We only have a couple minutes left. So I think we've teased everybody. There's a lot, obviously, there's a lot more in the book. There's, uh, we mm-hmm. kind of covered two of the uh, parts that you mentioned earlier. So, Everyone go out and buy the book. The, uh, the book is, uh, the author is Dana Dorfman, PhD, very high functioning. Uh, when Worry Works, How to Harness Your Parenting Stress and Guide Your Teen to Success. Um, Dana, tell us, give us more information about where we can buy the book, but um, also more about you know, informa- what your work and what you're doing. Uh, sure, thank you, and thank you for your support um, and your reassurance. (laughs) So um, the book, so you can, um, there is also a quiz I created so that parents can take a quiz to even see where they fall in the archetype um, or what kind of part they most strongly identify with. And then in, um, in the book, you will even sort of guide you as to how to manage your anxieties to be able to harness the, the upsides of that particular part and to manage the, um, the parts that might hinder you. Uh, and so the quiz is on my website, which is 
drdanadorfman.com, D-R, Dana, D-A-N-A, Dorfman, D-O-R-F-M-A-N.com, where you can take the quiz, which people have really responded, have had a lot of fun with and have been helpful, I hope. There is also a parenting decision-making worksheet on my website, uh, which you can download uh, as well. And you can buy the book on any, um, on any um, you know, website that you typically buy books, wherever books are sold. And that's it. I mean, and that's, that's it. Okay, um, great. And I, I've been pronouncing your name, Dana, Dana, Dana Dorfman, PhD, when worry works, how to harness your parenting stress and guide your teen to success. Thanks so much for being on the show today. You were great. Uh, thank you. This was really so much fun. This was fun. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. <laughs> <laughs> 